0: Welcome to the ProfServe Traction Podcast, dedicated to exploring how professional services and technology businesses break through the ceiling. Here's your host, Steve Preda.
1: So good day, dear listeners, this is Steve Preda and the ProfServe Traction Podcast. And I have today with me Alec Broadfoot, who is the founder and CEO of Vision Park, which is an executive search hiring training and hiring assessment company in Ohio and what's special about Alex firm is that they focused primarily on serving companies that run on the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS Alex graduated and got his MBA from Bowling Green State University of Ohio so welcome to the show Alex
0: Oh it's great to be here Steve thanks for having me
1: So you've been running this company Vision Spark for almost 10 years now how did you get, how did you become an entrepreneur? How did you get here? What's your journey?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I you know, I, I was in college and uh, my my major was international business and economics. And I thought I wanted to be an international business person. And I had an opportunity to get an MBA right after college. They offered me an assistantship, uh, which meant my tuition was paid for. I had to work a couple hours a week for the school. And so I decided to continue right in my MBA and during my MBA, they really were teaching us at the time how to be good corporate executives, a good corporate leader. And there was an optional Saturday program where they brought in three entrepreneurs and interviewed them. And I decided to go and I was just so inspired by these entrepreneurs. And, you know, getting to listen to their stories and how they can make a difference. and My dad had uh, worked for Corporate America and I thought, well, maybe that was my journey, but not after this. And so I thought, you know what, someday I'm going to have my own business. And so I was 24 years old at the time, maybe. And I had an offer to work for Bank One uh, here in Columbus. I had interned with them a couple of years. And so my plan was I'll work for bank one, I'll, you know, 15, 20 years, I'll save a whole bunch of money and I'll start a business. That's what I thought the plan was. And uh, two years into working for bank one, I had an opportunity along with some friends to buy a business. I took the leap, The, the bank said, hey, if it doesn't work out, you can come back. And I thought, well, we didn't have kids at the time. And, you know, the risk was low and I decided, and that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. And that was 25 years ago.
1: Wow yeah. so so before vision Sparks you you ran some other companies
0: before Vision Spark, yeah, so I had there's a company it was in the in the publishing industry so that's the one that I bought. It was all self-published reference books and we got a little bit into we had a cd-ROM program that we sold and a web now it's now it's web-based. And then I had a business in the mid2000s where we processed mail for all the big companies in Columbus like Chase mortgage and, and the big hospitals and loved that business. And that's where the seeds were planted for VisionSpark. I met some great individuals then, and they they planted some seeds about making sure you have the right people in the right seats and hiring the right people and uh, good quality assessment tools. And so that was during that time, which was a super valuable time. And I sold my interest to my, uh, my business partner at the time. And decided to do consulting, and I really had this passion of helping entrepreneurs with being more profitable and just having a stronger business. And what I was encountering every consultant opportunity I had was that there were people issues, and like all these entrepreneurs, like like little lemons walking off a cliff, making these bad people decisions, and so. In 2011 or so, there was, a, there was a friend at the time, and we were talking about this. And we said, "Hey, let's let's start a business where we can help entrepreneurs make great people decisions, whether it's hiring or having the right people in the right seats." So that's kind of my journey to Vision Spark, and so I love helping entrepreneurs overcome obstacles so they can reach their goals.
1: So, how is Vision Spark different from other companies focused on executive search and assessment and yeah,
0: right, right. It's like a, it's like a, you know, it's a big sandbox, and and there's lots of players in the sandbox, and so there are traditional executive search firms out there that are really good at what they do, and they're they're retainer based, and they're they focus on culture, and oftentimes they focus on much higher salaries. So you know, the the, the compensation for these positions would be would be significant, and then there are recruiters which Oftentimes, you know, they there's some really good recruiters out there, but a lot of them don't have great reputations. They're just, you know, interested in 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 pushing a resume. And there's some tactics they use that 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 I don't I would not use in my business. So that you have that, and then you have you have this the assessment folks out there. And there's, you know, every everybody that sells assessments think their assessment's the best thing ever. And there's no other assessment better. And so at Vision Spark, we we are focused on the small to mid-sized business. That you know, from their leadership positions to helping them find these great people to fit with their culture, we're also focused on helping them make the right people decisions. And a lot of that stemmed out of initially we were just doing search, and our clients were like, "Hey, can you can you help me with this uh, salesperson? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm hiring an office manager. Uh, that assessment that you use, could I have a couple candidates take that assessment to see?" And so you know, so our our business has evolved to really strengthening the people component of our clients.
1: Okay. So for for those listeners that don't understand this jargon, the people component, what does it mean? Yeah, So,
0: you know, uh, something that EOS coins, but, you know, all businesses, they're going to have some sort of component that involves people. So um, your your employees and your managers and, and making sure you have the right people in the right seats as uh, Jim Collins coined years ago. And so to have a great business you got to have the great people doing the right things and being effective. And in fact, you know, I know Steve this this is interesting to you because of of your work, but if you had two businesses and they they were identical and, and they they all had great financials and great structure and they were blue ocean and one had great leaders and great people and the other didn't. Which would be worth more, right? And so it's it's almost impossible for companies to reach their goals without having the right people in the right seats.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm rereading Beyond Entrepreneurship from Jim Collins, which is a book that's been around for I think over 35 years, and now he republished it, BE 2.0, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a brilliant book, and actually, US a lot of US ideas come from from him, and what what he talks about is that you have to first identify the right people before you even do your vision your strategy so this whole idea of get get the right people on the bus like mm-hmm. get the wrong people off the bus <laughs> and get the people uh, in the right seats is basically this idea uh, of first you populate your company with great people and then that's going to take care of most of the having and you can do the vision and and the strategy and yeah. that stuff so so tell me a little bit about this idea of being focused on EOS run companies. How did that come about and why is it good for you? And is it even a big enough population for you to target?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So when we first started Vision Spark, we, we didn't hear of EOS. We, you know, we just focused on small to mid-sized companies in the United States. And in my, I was in a Vistage group and and for those that are listening that don't know what Vistage is, it's a, it's a peer group of CEOs. And so one of my friends in the group, his name's Alex Freitag, he transitioned his career to become an EOS implementer. And so we, you know, we were talking one day and he's like, you know, Alec, you, you need to um, target your, what you do for companies running on EOS. So, EOS, they, they often will recommend having an integrator and that's someone to really run the business. So the, the visionary, the founder, the entrepreneur, the inventor can do what they do best. And he's like, there's a huge need. And, you know, that's number one, Alec. And number two is, you know, you shared with me some of your frustrations that your clients don't have, you know, potential clients don't have any sense of wanting a great culture or they don't talk about core values. And, and he was really speaking my language. Cause we were, we were firing clients before we, before we engaged with them because, um, they didn't value culture. They didn't have any core values. They just wanted to get a resume, you know, in the position and like, Hey, I, you know, I, I had this guy call me. It was a, it was a Tuesday afternoon. And he's like, Hey, do you do CFO searches? I'm like, yeah, we, we do CFO, CFO searches. And, uh, and I said, well, tell me, tell me about your company. And he started telling me, I'm like, what's, you know tell me about your culture. And he's he's like, I don't care about my freaking culture. I, I need a CFO and I need him to be, be here by Friday. And if you can't do it, I'm not gonna pay you. And I said, well, I, I'm i not gonna do it. We're not, you're not, we're not your firm. This, this is a process and we know it wouldn't be a long-term fit. And he was just irritated with me that I wasn't taking his bait, and I'm I'm like, you know what? I don't want to work with you or for you because one, it won't be fun, and number two, your culture probably stinks just based on how you're talking to me and treating me on the phone. <laughs> so, right. uh, so that's what had a shift maybe about six years ago into working with companies running on US.
1: So, what? Do you, how do you find US-run companies being different from other?
0: companies uh, yeah and and I'm I'm curious to learn more about some of these other operating systems that that continue to evolve but companies running on EOS they they really operate with core values and core values and culture are important to them some of the tools they use like the people analyzer are you know great tools if you go to an EOS conference and you meet all the companies running on EOS there at the conference they'll be then some of the nicest people you'll ever meet and you're thinking man why why is this why are there so many nice people here and it's it's really because They operate their business on core values, and they attract individuals that have their core values, and they repel individuals that don't. And so, you know, we just like, hey, this is our this is our tribe here. This is who we want to target our our business to.
1: That's very cool. So you brought up the People Analyzer, which is basically one of the staple tools of EOS, which both looks at whether the person is the right fit for the seat, whether they fit your core values, uh, leave your core values, and then the second is whether they. Get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. GWC, the seat that we put them in, and I've been all, I've been wondering about this tool and how it fits with other assessment tools. That yeah, uh, is this kind of simplification or uh, or is it a completely synergistic approach to some of the assessment tools? And how does that uh, how does that uh, work?
0: It is a simplification and it is a great tool. Does it solve? all the problems all the time. And and I would respectfully say no, there are parts of it that are subjective that really may hinder someone to make the right people decision. And so that's kind of where we really want to help. I was talking to a, a visage, sorry, a visionary client of mine. He was in um in the Midwest and and he's like, you know, Alec, can you help me? I I need to make some people decisions. And we just went through the people analyzer and he's torn apart and he's feeling horrible about the whole thing. He knows he doesn't have the right people to write seats. And he knows it's not the team that's going to take him to the next level. And so, you know, we came alongside him and, and helped him with that, those decisions with a little bit deeper dive with some, the tool we use it measures their mental aptitudes, which, you know, measures their mental acuity and attention to detail and it, and then it measures personality dimensions, which are behaviors that determine success. And so you can see, like, for example, you know, I'll give two quick examples. Like if you had a controller who really lacked attention to detail, you could you could see that right away on the assessment tool. And obviously you wouldn't hire someone that if you knew that. But or let's say you wanted an executive assistant that's super organized. Well, you could see that right away in the assessment. So it's a really revealing tool that sh- shows strengths and weaknesses. And so that comes alongside the the people analyzer, and it fits super well with the Colby assessment, which which is a really good assessment measuring um, instinct and drive, and and so that's one of the tools that we use to help our clients make the right people decisions.
1: Okay, that's that's interesting. So so basically, you, you can use both. It's there are two levers that you can pull. Mm-hmm. You can solve uh, kind of big picture people analyzer, and then you can dig deeper by looking at their mental acuity and. Yeah, behaviors yeah and instinctual uh, behaviors that is cool so i'd like to switch gears here a little bit and i'd like to uh, kind of zoom out and talk about how you built vision spark and your previous businesses did you use business management frameworks like eos or other concepts when building your business or was it just kind of intuitively uh, trial and error
0: yeah my companies run on eos and I, I say we miserably failed at self-implementing and we we have an implementer we've been working with the last year or so, and it's been a wonderful journey, but my other businesses didn't really run on any operating framework. We you know, we had, you know, a vision statement a mission statement, we had core values, but it wasn't really, you know, it's kind of like the flavor of the month, you know, and so, <laughs> and then we put it on a bookshelf and I really relied on some of the things I learned in school and, and you know, the previous years of running other businesses to make correct decisions but no we didn't use any sort of management framework or operating system anything like that.
1: So how did the, I mean why did you start using EOS and what is your experience?
0: Well number one is we saw our clients really succeeding with EOS and we we just love learning about their success and even prospective clients we we would ask them about their journey and how much eos has meant to them and how they were able to achieve their goals and you know i and so it just you know became very appealing and so we tried we were a small company we tried to self-implement it was a struggle i know there are companies that do a really good job of self-implementing but having a an implementer every 90 days you know there with the pulse and making sure you hit your goals has made a world of difference
1: So what were your challenges with self implementing? Why why is it hard?
0: Yeah. One, I think there was, there was a lack of commitment and there was a lot of change and we didn't have someone say, Hey, this is, you know, first 90 days are going to be tough, but you know, here's where we're going to be in 90 days and this is what we're going to accomplish. And, you know, it was just, I think my team didn't see the commitment, you know, visionaries will often have shiny objects and maybe they're wondering, Hey, is this another shiny object? And once you have an implementer, it really says you're committed and they're there 90 days later, Hey, did you get your rocks done or your goals or whatever? And you know, when you run it's, you have your L10s every week and it's a, it's a rhythm, it's a really neat way to run a business and to see tremendous growth. Overcoming, and this year I know for a lot of people it has been super tough. EOS was really a huge part of our success this year, and and I call it success because we just we just crushed it the last half of the year, you know. So yeah.
1: Is it just EOS that you work with, or I mean, there are other you know operating systems or management blueprints, whatever you want to call them. There is scaling up, which is a big mm-hmm. competitor. There's even yeah. there is. 3HAG, like HAG, but for three years, 3HAG three is kind of a competing system. There are f- at least five or six others. Are you working with other companies that use different uh, operating systems or is just the U.S.?
0: Yeah, not, not yet. We do have maybe anywhere between 15, 10 to 20%, I would say, 10 to 20% of our clients at any given time don't run in the U.S. We have a a recurring client they are a large company they're i think a billion dollars in sales which is much larger than than a lot of our other clients and they they are well beyond a framework like like EOS the other ones don't really have an operating system they use i do know that scaling up is i'm hearing more and more about them i think you know they they came out maybe 4 or 5 years ago so we i'm i'm curious like i i'm curious i'm really you know, uh, wanting to learn more about these other operating systems, I do believe companies with an operating system will. You know, I don't know what the research says, but my my gut would tell me that they're increasingly more successful than companies that don't have an operating system.
1: So let's let's move on. Uh, talk about let's talk about why uh, companies are succeeding and why are they failing, and specifically about hiring. What are what are the big mistakes that you see entrepreneurs commit in the area of hiring? and uh, you know why do they come to you
0: yeah so entrepreneurs they you know i'm one and so i think i can speak with authority on the subject because i work with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are really good at understanding the needs of the market what what's the customer need what's the gap in the marketplace why is this product going to work or why is this service they're really good at that and that same trait also makes them really bad at hiring and so they, they tend not to be objective in hiring. So I would say some of those fakes are, they, they hire too quickly, they hire on emotion, and not just entrepreneurs, but most hiring managers will focus way too much on the individual's resume. And so that's that's a mistake they make. Um, not having a process, right? So you know companies have processes for everything, but do they have a process for hiring? Most likely the answer is no and so you know those are just some of the common mistakes not using an expert in the hiring process would it most entrepreneurs trust their taxes to themselves or to you know turbo tax probably not they are going to use a, a cpa that works with small businesses they they delegate that expertise out and it comes to hiring i hear this all the time like you know well, i'm good at hiring i'm a ju- good judge of character and and i will gently push back at that and i'll say you know just i'm just curious you know like looking at your last 10 hires knowing what you know now how many would you rehire and oftentimes the answer is two or three wow yeah. right so if you think about it, it you know is that really a 70 to 80% mistake maybe maybe and would you give your taxes to someone that that had you know 70% of your tax returns were errors no but when it comes to hiring you tolerate that and and i did that research for a little bit and then what you know, I was I was thinking I was on to something because I read a survey from Gallup and Gallup, you know, they do this extensive research and they found that that 82 percent of the time companies fail to choose the right manager. And I'm thinking, man, that that kind of lines up to my little unscientific approach to, to do the research. But I think, you know, recognizing that, hey, you know what, I'm not good at hiring and I'm going to delegate it to someone within my team that's better or, you know, a third party, an assessment tool can really help make a better hiring decision. So, you know, Steve, I know, I know you're a numbers guy, and there was a study done by the University of Michigan years ago that said an interview, by itself, in terms of predicting a future success, was only 14% effective. But if you, if you add an assessment tool, a good quality assessment tool, and it, didn't, it wasn't clear as to what kind of an assessment tool, you actually triple those odds to fifty-two percent. So if you so just inter, interviewing and an assessment tool, you'll more than triple your success rate. So assessment tools can play a huge part. Yeah, some other mistakes: hiring too quickly, hiring on emotion, hiring based on resume, which is you know full of. I think, what, 48% of resumes have outright lies in them, and 100% of resumes have some sort of embellishment. <laughs> so, yeah. so we don't want to focus on the resume.
1: So, so that's fascinating. Um, so t- tell me a little bit more about this process. So I understand you go from interview 14%, you can triple it with the assessment, 52%. Yeah. What other stuff can you do to increase that, that uh, success ratio and, and how, how high can you get it?
0: So we've seen our clients double, triple, quadruple their success rate. So number one is to have a process. In that process, the very first step is critical, and that is to make sure you take time to identify the person, the position, what success looks like, the behaviors, traits, and values. That first step in developing a target is super important. So, you know, I'm going to exaggerate something here, but, you know, let's say, you know, company XYZ needs a salesperson and like, hey, we need a salesperson. And boom, you know, Joe shares my friend's a salesperson. and He's looking for a job. Okay, let's bring him in. And they hire him and like, well, time out. You know, you got to take time. Okay, what is this person going to do? What success looks like? What behavior, traits, and values do we want? That is super important. So there's an old proverb. Solomon said this, an employer who hires a fool is like an archer who shoots at random. And I think that's true in many cases that we don't take time in developing a target, a bullseye and we we shoot and we miss, and we're way off and we hire and you know, and what's the cost of Steve? Like it's it's at least three times their salary yeah. to make that, that bad decision.
1: Okay, so number two is develop the target. Yeah. Number three.
0: To interrogate the resume. Mm-hmm. So the resumes are full of lies and embellishments. So you wanna interrogate the resume. How do you do that? Well, one one thing we do and there's a lot of things we do, but one thing is we look for gaps in the resume where there may be periods of unemployment. The second thing we do is we will will ask them why they did, why they moved on from one position to the other. And, you know, if someone says, "Oh, I moved from here to here because uh, it was a mutual decision." We'll say, "Well, what do you mean by mutual?" Well, you know, my employer sat down with me and said, "Hey, you weren't you weren't meaning performance expectations and it was time to move on and you know so you were fired yeah i was fired so you want to interrogate the resume Um, that would be that would be the second step and the third would be to i'd recommend a phone interview some structured questions and we have research based questions we use with the response guide but just a phone interview and then I would say you want to interview for their values and interview for your core values would be super important. And then an assessment tool is recommended. And then a um, you know a final interview with a couple other team members is important. So I neglected to say that that target in the beginning that you develop, you, you want some help with that. You want some people on your team doing that. And then that same group of people would interview at the end and determine if, if we're close to that target or not. And most likely you're not gonna get anyone that, that hits the bullseye in the head, but which individuals are closest. And we can eliminate those that are not even close. So that's kind of the process of what, what a successful process looks like. And you know, uh, that's you know, I'm proud of our success here at Vision Spark is how we help clients and that's the process we use.
1: So we often talk with my clients about how hiring is like sales was in the 20th century it's often, it's the most uh, challenging piece of the business because you can figure out how to market your business, how you generate leads. Mm-hmm. And how do you, you know, if you have a good product, how do you get the word out? But finding the right people is, you really have to go after them. People have a lot of options these days, good people, and it's really, really difficult to find them and to get them to uh, be interested and so on. Do you find that this is also uh, challenging for you guys to feel at the top of the funnel with good candidates or it, it's more the selection, which is the challenging piece?
0: Yeah, up until COVID, it was a challenge to find great people. Um, and so we, we would have better success because of how we wrote the job posting and where we advertised. We would have candidates that say, you know what, I was not even looking, I read your posting or my friend told me about it, my husband told me about it, my wife told me about it, and I read it. And I said, this is me, this is my job. And we would hear that day in and day out. So how that post is written makes a world of difference. So increasing the funnel is super important. We have found that this year that there are more people out of work, unfortunately, but a lot of employers are doing what they can to retain their top talent. And so, you know, some of our clients thinking, hey, I can get someone on sale, I can pay less money, but are you really getting an A player for your company? And are you really going to see the the return on investment that you want, you know, if you decide to offer a much lower salary? And so, you know, that's always an interesting conversation with clients about their budget, what type of person they can, they can afford. And for us, it doesn't matter what their budget is. We will work with their budget. Uh, Our fees don't change based on that. You know, with companies that need a specialist, you know, they need a civil engineer or an architect it, it would behoove them to hire a recruiter that specializes in that industry because that those things are often much harder but for general positions like office positions and sales positions and management leadership positions we didn't we we haven't had difficulty with with finding the right people in, in those seats uh, because of our process and how we advertise and how we write the posting
1: so what I'm hearing is that, it's basically, you have to be really good at articulating why a position is really attractive for a general audience so that you get these people, they read the ad and say, oh, this is me and I'm going to jump on board. How do you do that? And what are the levers that you can pull in order to touch people, maybe even emotionally that they get interested in a position?
0: Yeah, well, I'll share this. It's one, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's important to talk about why your company is a good place to work you know if so that needs to be in the posting if you think about it you know google and amazon and you know we have a a bmw financials here in columbus and and they don't have trouble finding people because they have a great brand they you know they'll only hire a small percentage of their applicants like i think it's hard harder to get into google than it is to get into harvard right i mean they have that many applicants but smaller companies that don't have that brand have to really make a compelling case as to why I come work for you. In my opinion, candidates do wanna work for small and mid-sized companies. They just don't know they, they do and, and they, they love it. You know, They can be a bigger fish in a smaller pond and make a huge difference and they don't have the, the, a lot of the bureaucracy and politics. And, and so so you really need to make a compelling case. It's important to communicate the values in that posting to that that you're looking for and and so those are a couple things without giving too much away that that companies can do if it reads if the posting reads like any other posting out there you're way off you're gonna you're not gonna find great talent uh, most companies don't know how to write postings if you read them if they're awful you know you you're looking for someone with a, a lot of qualifications you have 75 job responsibilities it doesn't say anything about the company what you do and so candidates feel like, man, I'm going to be a jack of all trades. I'm not going to be valued. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a number. And I don't know how these job postings started and the format that's out there and why they started, but we all are mimicking something that doesn't work. And so you really need to change how you write the posting to attract the right people. And that's also the same thing that you use to, to select the right people.
1: So if, if I'm an entrepreneur, I run a small business, how do I become more attractive to employees, potential employees in general? What do I do with my company to make it more attractive?
0: So, uh, number one is I I would recommend investing in in some branding, right? So we we as employers we will spend a good portion of our revenue. And when I've done some uh, different speaking, I'll I'll ask the room. I'll say, you know, looking at your financials, what percentage of your budget do you do you spend on getting product in the door. So include your sales team in there, what are you paying them, your marketing costs, you know, and I'll hear things from 20%, 50%, 10%. And then I'll ask the next question. I'll say, okay, now what percentage of your budget is about bringing in quality candidates? And the answer is usually zero. There's nothing. And there are companies out there that their whole website has nothing to do with what they sell it's all about attracting candidates. And so it actually helps them in twofold because one is they get great candidates in because candidates are like, man, what a great website, what a great company. I want to work for that company, but also their customers, potential customers like, man, if they treat their employees that way, and if it's such a great place to work, that's who I want to do business with. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing is to is to invest in employer brand and your network super important hey come work for my company it's a great place to work you can have an email signature saying hey talk to me about working at my company or you know ask me about my our next hire you know things like that you know having a good social media presence is 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 good too just some of the things you're doing and it, it doesn't have to be really formal social media it could be like hey you know like we did this in the middle of covid we we had a team lunch and we were all remote. And like we, we had a client who's in the uh, restaurant business. And so, you know, we, we got burgers from their amazing restaurant and I had, you know, we, I delivered them all via Grubhub or, or DoorDash or something like that. And I took a picture of, of all of us eating their burger. And my client loved it because he's like, this is great. made my day. And then, you know, we, we, we showed on social media that, Hey, you know, we're a great company and, you know, our fun place to work. And, and we actually had our, our one employee right now. She's like, you know, I saw that picture and I knew I wanted to work there because man, if you if you do that in the middle of the pandemic, that's that says a lot about you. So just little things like that make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I have a client who does this kind of stuff all the time. And one of the one of the things they did before the pandemic was that they got a mini zoo in their parking lot. And then they invited, you know, all their employees and their families, and they were all, you know, petting these goats and llamas oh, and what have you.
0: That's and great.
1: It just created a fun, a really fun atmosphere. It's basically, for years, people were talking about that kind of stuff, and it's obviously a great fodder for social media. You can put mm-hmm. it out there. You can make yourself humanize yourself. Uh, it was a great one. So uh, switching from the hiring topic to, and maybe that includes hiring as well. My next question: Being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you consider the three most important things for a visionary like you, who is maybe not mired in the day-to-day, you are a strategic mm-hmm. person. What What are the three most important things that you feel you have to focus or any entrepreneur have to focus on in order to make the most out of that visionary position?
0: Yeah. Number one, I would say, you know, the who not how concept is important. As entrepreneurs, we're, we are we're achievers. We are, you know, we, we are, we work hard and we're like, Hey, we know that the result is later. The reward is later. So we'll put the work in and we think, man, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. And if we can think, you know, not how I can do it, but who I can do it. And so there's a real good book by Dan Sullivan called who, not how
1: Uh, it's behind you on the shelf. It is
0: on my shelf. And you can even get the Kindle version. I think it's a dollar 50, but I think for every every minute you invest reading that book, you'll get a hundred minutes of productivity later. So I think number one, understanding who, not how is really important. Uh, you know, so if, if you have a project, think, man, how am I going to get this done? Think, oh, who do I, who can I delegate? This to? Who do I know? Or do I need to hire someone to do this? Right. So I think that's important. Number two, the second skill, I would say to really have good people skills. And you need to be, you know, diplomatic and encouraging and a coach and uh, calm in the storm. And and I think that's super important. If you don't treat your employees well, you're not going to have a business. You're going to have high turnover. And it doesn't matter what kind of great product you have. And number three, you know, I'd say good, a good business acumen. You know, so how can we market our products and what are some other you know, where's Blue Ocean? You know, where's our niche? Where can we, where can we succeed? You know, you were talking about Jim Collins and the, the hedgehog con- concept, right? You know, what are we passionate about? What drives our economic engine? I I forget the third one, but really what having be
1: the best in the world at.
0: What can we be the best in the world at? Yeah, very good. You know, really having some strong business acumen, both on the sales and marketing side, but also on the financial side, right? So you gotta be profitable. You know, without profit, you can't do any good. you know really understanding uh that so i would say those are the three three most important things and and i i could be persuaded if someone else thinks of three others but those are my 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 top three things no i
1: agree with you and this one at how it's interesting uh, strategic coach dan sullivan who is one of the uh, co-author of this book and he has been teaching this concept in strategic coach for several years and i i've been a member of strategic coach and and, you know, intellectually, I got it, but I think I didn't really viscerally get this up until fairly recently. I read the book as well, and I, it was on my shelf for a couple of weeks before I got to it. And I really got it, what it means. And uh, it, it makes a huge, it has made a huge difference already for my business. I mean, I like love to work. I don't have employees, but I have, I don't know, seven or eight people on Upwork uh, who help me on different nice. projects. And, you know, I just started to build this muscle of, okay, uh, I wanted to research some things and how am I going to read? Oh, yeah. Maybe I can find someone who will be much better at research. And even if I pay them 60 bucks an hour, it's going to be way cheaper and way more more professional if they did it and they're going to do it quickly. I don't have to wait for me to have time. So so this is a huge, a huge concept. And uh, I think this book is going to be very successful.
0: Yeah, I think they've already sold over a hundred thousand copies in in the short yeah. time it's been out. Yeah, yeah, it was it's was interesting. I was I was kind of thinking of a metaphor for that, and and you know, one of my friends, he is like Tim the Toolman Taylor. He has all of the construction tools, the saws and the hammers and and all of the gadgets and he's very knowledgeable of, of um, you know, how to build a house and projects. Like he can put uh, a deck on the back of his house and he can build this and he can build this. And, and I see him all the time. And he's, he's so busy with, with things around his house, because he's like, man, I could do it all. I have the tools. I know how to do it. And he doesn't have any free time because he's doing it all. Right. And I look at him and like, you know, I would just hire that out, you know, spend some more time with family, but, now, let me look inwardly. Am I running my business that way? Am I trying to do it all in my business? And he's probably looking at me saying, man, you know, Alec, why don't you hire that out? You know, you're having someone, you know, and I've, I've come a long way. But I've always, you know, used to think, well, if it's going to get done, I got to do it, right? And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs run their businesses like my friend, the way he he runs his house.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, the the first management blueprints well before EOS Traction was the Mm -hmm. E-Myth. I think 1976 when it first came out or 80, no, it was 84. And then the E-Myth Revisited came out uh, 10 years later. And Michael Gerber who wrote the E-Myth, he came up with this idea that most businesses are actually not started by entrepreneurs. That's that's the E-Myth, that's the entrepreneurial myth that businesses are started by entrepreneurs. No, businesses are, most businesses are started by technicians. So someone who is really good at their job, maybe they are an HR uh, consultant, but mm-hmm. they're really good. And the, you know, our instinct is that we do it because we're good at it, and we want to be the expert.
0: Right. And
1: to make this mental shift that, yeah, maybe we are the expert, but we're never going to build a company if we stay in our expert role, and we have to have to. That's the EOS concept: is to delegate mm-hmm. and elevate. You have to elevate yeah. yourself to something that you're not good at yet, and get out of the comfort zone and and learn that other stuff, which is higher value, mm-hmm. and let other people do the lower value stuff and teach them to do it. It's a it's a huge mindset shift, and it's it's tough it's tough to do because you're good at something and it's great mm-hmm. to be a master of something. It's rewarding, and uh, it kind of sucks to be a bad leader, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, opportunity there.
0: And I think it's important that when you delegate, you let the person scrape their knees a little bit. As I had a boss that would say, you know, like, it's okay to mess up and make mistakes and you give them that grace and that opportunity. Now, if they've done it 10 times in their own poorly, that's another, you know, that's another issue, but to give them their freedom. And that's hard for, for entrepreneurs to let go and, and to let someone fail. But they, they will be much more productive the second time they do that task and then much more productive the third time. And eventually you you can relax knowing that they're going to do a great job on it.
1: Yeah, you know, I was just listening to uh, yesterday uh, to be on entrepreneurship and the new stuff that Jim Collins uh, wrote in it. And one of the stories that he tells is that he when he went to Stanford to became a professor there and the Dean of Stanford said that, uh, okay, Mr. Collins, you know, Here's a department, here are all the resources, and go and do it. And he was like shocked, you know, I got no guidance. Uh, I, you know, they taking this huge risk that I just go out there and do it. And he figured it out. And then a couple of years later, he got an award for an exceptional achievement award or something like that. And he was sitting at the banquet next to the dean and he asked him, Hey, you really took a big chance on me and you took a big risk. And then his response was that. Well, actually, I didn't think of it as a risk. I thought of it as an opportunity to uh, you know, because we knew that you're a talented guy. And if we give you the, you know, the uh the freedom to create something, then you might come up with something great.
0: That's really good. Yeah. Um, what a great story.
1: Yeah. So that's that's really the empowerment piece is is mm-hmm. huge. And you know what I find with my EOS clients, many times the business owner who brings me in. They feel like they have these bunch of employees who don't really care and they don't want to do, they just want to do a nine to five job and they have to pull through the motions and don't want to step up. And what often uh, transpires in the focus day, the first day together that there's so much pent up energy that is waiting to be released. And as soon as they get the green light, people want to step up, they you know, they, they want to take on more, they want to take in more rocks than it's humanly possible yeah. to do because people are a star starved to be part of a big story and, and to to have the chance to be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's very true. That's very true.
1: Well listen, Alec, I know that our time is 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 coming to an end and I'm sure you have a back-to-back meeting. So we had, you know, I really enjoyed our our chat and and I think you've got a wealth of resources that um, our listeners, my listeners would love to uh, get deeper into uh, how can they find out more? How can they contact you? Uh, you know, g- give, give me some coordinates. To yeah, watch. sure. Yeah.
0: So our website is visionsparksearch.com, mm-hmm. And my email is Alec at spark, uh, dot com, And there's a dash between vision and spark. So Alec at vision hyphen spark com and uh, yeah I'd love to or they could reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and uh, yeah uh, we have a great team that'll take care of them
1: okay well well I'm sure you guys are gonna be in good hands so so check check out uh, Alex's uh, LinkedIn page and, and website he's got a great website uh, uh, as I was browsing through it I thought gee I have to uh, copy some of these ideas <laughs> make my website more interactive so definitely check out his website as well so hey Alec uh, really enjoyed uh, our chat uh, thank you for coming on the show and uh, to uh, uh, my listeners uh, stay tuned next week you'll have another exciting entrepreneur sharing some business framework ideas with you have a great day
0: this was the Prof Serve Traction podcast with Steve Prada To learn how your professional services or technology business can break through the ceiling with EOS, visit TractionEquity.com.